step inside my living room Share a little talk By roads walked and lessons learned Keeping the flame of faith burning I wanna know where you've been What you found out Spread some light in the darkness Spread it all about In the height In the height Put it all in the height Avram Rosenzweig began public speaking when he was five years old. Over the last five decades, Avram has mastered the art of public speaking. Today, Avram is a professional speechwriter and speech coach. He offers a wide selection of services that can assist you in preparing for public speaking events, speeches for family or professional occasions, a keynote, a memorial, or a simple toast. Avram can also coach you through articulation and presentation challenges. For all your speech writing needs, send Avram an email at info at hatradio.ca that's info at hatradio.ca hi and welcome to hat radio my name is avram rosenzweig and this is episode 23 and i am here this is a very unique show something that i haven't done before on hat radio first off i'm here with my very dear friend marty gallon hello marty oh you remembered my name hello yes i do remember your name very well we actually did a show a few weeks ago, which got amazing reviews, by the way. Huge reviews. Everybody loved me. And they kind of like you, too. Yeah, Hollywood is calling, That's right? right. <laughs> now, here's the second piece, which we're very excited about. It's kind of going back in time, but moving forward. Would you agree with that? I'd say 25 years ago, yes. Okay, very good. Yes. We have with us here in our studio, otherwise known as my condominium, <laughs> our very dear friend, Massimo Capra. Big hand, everyone. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, the fans are going nuts. <laughs> that's going it. crazy. Thank you very much and, for and, and, having oh, me here. Oh, it's yeah. so nice to have you. I'm so excited about it. Because we go way back, don't we? Oh, we go way, way back. Yeah, what? A couple of TV shows and... Uh, Many interviews, radio shows. We we go back a long way. We really do. Marty yeah. always tells me he goes, you yeah. know, Massimo credits us for yeah. his great success in life. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, he does. He when we uh, were at uh, meetings and things, he always says, uh, "I remember way back when we started with you guys and everything." And um, well, when we met him, we knew there was something special about him. From the moment I said hello to him, uh, we became friends. Yes. What well, what was it that drew drew you to to Massimo? He was just so kind and loving and warm, and um, uh, as we'll get into talking about it, he just had this aura about him that you could see that he was going to be successful. He just, you know, this the chef introduced me to him, and I went and met him, and uh, he was just like dynamic, and he didn't speak English, barely spoke English. I mean, I remember he <laughs> said hello, and I said to me, "You're Massimo." That's what That's he, right. he talked like, like almost broken English, but he was. <laughs> Like a gem. This guy said, this guy is, he said, you, I've got to go, you've got to go and meet this guy because yeah. he's amazing. And so we went to this restaurant, we had lunch and dinner and thing, and then we met the chef and his name was Massimo. 
So, so let's give a little context. That was crazy. Huh? We'll give context to who you are first. <laughs> For you're, you're, you are a chef. Yes, I am. I am a chef. First and foremost, I'm a chef. I'm, I'm a cook. I'm a, I, I consider myself being a very good cook nowadays. But <laughs> well, haven't you always considered uh, yourself that? No, I always. Uh, you see, that's the that's the funny thing, right? Everybody assumes that uh, you know you come out of the womb and you start cooking when you're a chef right yeah. oh you always love cooking yeah. say no i first i you know i love being a kid then i was forced into picking a profession which you know with my uh, learning skills i mean cooking was actually pretty good because i learned by observing yes so you can give me a thousand bucks but really what i like best is to have somebody show me how things are done and then i repeat them and then i perfect them and i make them my own but and I, that's the way right i mean i think it's i think it's safe <laughs> to say you came to canada uh you were you're, you're well, that's a long story but it's a beautiful story actually, coming to canada because, yeah coming to canada was amazing for me was it how so well because you know what i wanted to be out of italy um and um circumstances you know i mean uh, so it happened that one of my aunts passed away um and at the funeral i met my cousin or my mother's cousin which is that the gentleman that actually did all the paperwork and did all of the the the, the legwork for bringing me to canada um it, w it was the first everyone was excited to see him because he had left in the early 60s and uh nobody knew where he was so he shows up at the funeral because he happens to be in Italy. Uh, it was September. And uh, he, he used to close the restaurant in September. He used to close the restaurant for uh, the, the Jewish holidays, actually, as a matter of fact, because his restaurant was Bumpkins and Archers on St. Clair. So they used to close always the, the two weeks in the spring and two weeks in the fall. It was amazing, right? So he happens to be at home in Italy for the funeral of my aunt. So I meet him, and everybody's excited. They haven't seen him in uh, so many years. So I said, okay, talk to this guy. All right, who is he? Well, I'm, I live in Canada, and I have restaurants in Canada, and if you are a cook, I can always use a nice uh, Italian chef, you know what I mean, an Italian cook. Say, so, okay, fine, you know what I mean? Uh, but I uh, have a job. Um, first, I have to go in the Army for one year, and then when I come back from the Army, I have a job lined up for the North Sea platform, oil platform. They make a lot of money on those oil platforms, you know what I mean? And you work for two or three weeks, and then you're off for two or three weeks, and that was amazing, right? So to me, that was amazing, in incredible, as a matter of fact, right? And they, and they said, if I don't work on the oil platform, I'm going to go to Kenya at the Nairobi Casino because they have an Italian brigade that actually, you know, I know some people there and they want me there. And then my other thing was, I'm not going to go to Canada. It's too bloody cold up there, right? I mean, I'm going to go to Australia. You know, that's where all the girls are. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the motivation for me to do anything in those days. I was a teenager. Come on, have, give me a break, right? So, but in any case, so I said, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna do the paperwork anyway. You're gonna come to Canada. You're gonna love it. You speak French, uh, yeah? I spoke French a little bit. I mean, uh, it's okay. All my cooks are all French, you know. So you're gonna be all right. My partner is French. I'm gonna make you work in my restaurant on Saint Clair Avenue. It's called Archers because his name was Balestrieri. So Balestra is a uh, arch, um, um, a bow, um, yeah." What yeah, is it like called? A, a bow. Yeah. A bow. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that was a beautiful thing, right? So I go to do my army service one year. I'm away and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying myself like you wouldn't believe because, you know, you're playing guns and ammo and uh, you're shooting cannons and everything else. It's the Italian army. I mean, it was easy. Right? <laughs> it was I mean, the, I was, were you a cook not, in the army? I was a cook in the army yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was actually stationed in Verona. 
which is a beautiful camp. I mean, we were testing food for uh, one of the major uh, food companies called Arena. And so we were doing some food testing for them. And we were also the, the place that, um, well, for some reason, we were getting uniforms uh, to try on uh, for new uniforms. You know what I mean? We had Giorgio Armani in those days, changing all the uniforms in the Italian army. Giorgio you know Armani I mean? George in the Armani army? in the beginning, when he first started uh, his business in the 80s. Oh, you're kidding. In the 70s. That's fantastic. He was designing for, uh, the, I don't know if you know this, but the Italian army, they're, they're pretty well dressed. I imagine you know so. I mean? Must be very well dressed. Were they good fighters? I, I hope so. Doesn't I mean, really, I, it hey, doesn't matter exactly. They dressed well. They didn't have to worry about biting. Yeah, exactly. Right. Listen, we <laughs> we had a little bit of a mess over there in the forties. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, that was like we don't like to talk about nothing that. Nothing happened. Everybody was on holiday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, nobody was home. Yeah, nobody was home. <laughs> My no, but that definitely. I mean, we have our share of uh, superstars and heroes and all that. But I mean, the important thing when you are in the Italian army is that the form has to be perfect. So from your shoes to your clothes, every uniform fits, you know what I mean? <laughs> and everybody's lined up according to heights and, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I mean, they, they all perform very well. So, I mean, I'll, you, it's a thing of beauty to see an Italian army move around. So, Massimo, you know? your, your father <laughs> was a, a, a dairy farmer, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, well, what, are, what are your memories of that? Oh, my. You know, I grew up, I grew up, okay, I was born in 1960, okay? My first recollection is being in this farm called Quarterone. Um, it was a ma majestic big farm. We were, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Italian farmhouses, the north. That's so much. Uh, but we have uh, humongous, they're basically, they're all row houses. Okay, they are square normally. Yes. And in one part of the square, you have the animals. In the other part, you have the, the what, what do you call it, the, um, the barns. Uh, the, the hay and uh, you put your your um, food your feed it's all the then farm, you have farm the, stuff then you have the farm owner house which is normally a gigantic building and then you have a row of houses okay with all the farmers because in those days you went to work for a farm i mean you were given a, a, a an apartment to live in so we were Fifteen families in one uh, in one farmhouse. Oh. So with all the kids and everybody else. I mean, just after the war, you know. What I mean, nineteen sixty. You know, everybody had teenage kids, and uh, and uh, I was the last born. Were right? you I mean, were you a good boy? Yeah. Uh, no, never. You're never. I good was boy. awful. We're not surprised. Awful. No, no, he's a bad boy still. He's been a bad boy I, all his life. <laughs> I was a bad bad boy. What made you bad? But my first recollection was uh, this uh, this farm because they had all the tools, and I started playing around with yeah. it. And then uh, there was an accident. One of the kids really got killed by one of the machines you know the, the one of the escalators for the for the hay to throw the hay inside the silos right, you know right. so i mean uh, and, uh, and and then that was the first time i realized that my mother was super possessive you know because <laughs> right. ne she never let me play outside anymore you know when the machines were around so it was just horrible well, what was your father like my father was an incredible uh human being he was away for seven years during the war yeah, he, he really came back in 1945, left in 1939 um, after spending, uh, well, he was born in 1912. So he did his two years of military service in 1932. And then in 1939, he got called away again. And uh, apparently he traveled Italy and, uh, you know, he enjoyed everything that happened during the war.
<laughs> yeah. yeah, he totally never saw anything bad, so you, you know, according to him. Yeah. So he was a very, 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 very calm individual. Um, it, it was a gentle soul. It was, um, you know, when he died, I mean, uh, we realized that he was the patriarch of the whole town. You know, we, it, it was, uh, eh? uh, it, it was, um, it was super respected, super loved. It was wise. I mean, it was almost a philosopher in town. He solved other people's problems constantly. You know, everybody would come to him for one reason or another to talk and what have you. You know, but it was a very. Uh, it, it, it didn't have many friends. He had some friends, but he knew everybody. Okay, but uh, he made a a, a a conscious effort to uh, after the war when he came home to just raise a family and work in the farms. He didn't want to be part of the world. Really? So yeah, and my mother never forgave him for that because my mother was really the the arrivist, You know what I mean? She wanted to climb and uh, and get somewhere. So we always had the yin and yang. My father always being, ah, no, it's okay. Calm, you know what I mean? Uh, almost, uh, you know, I don't know, meditation all the time. You know what I mean? And my mother is like, ah, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to travel, I want to see, I want to buy, I want to, you know. And it was a complete, uh, you know, like opposite. opposite, you know. What made you at an early age leave home and uh, go to uh it was like a chef school, right? You left. No, the- no, no. That was a mandatory thing from uh, from Italy, right? You mean it was mandatory so, yeah, for you it, to go? To no, chef, it wasn't mandatory for me to go, school? but it was mandatory for me to pick something to do. At that so, age, at how thirteen old years old, thirteen, right? Thirteen years old, you get an assessment of your personality, and you get uh, what do you call an aptitude uh, test, right? So with that. They, uh, you do your exams every year you do exams right i mean with the big stamps and uh, sent into the government and all that they, all italian schools are all um public okay there's no such a thing as catholic or private and whatever i mean this that all the bs is doesn't exist there. still like that in the yeah yeah of course i mean there are some private schools but i mean those are colleges for really the super wealthy you know but everything is public you know um so what happens is you get an aptitude test at 13 years old and then they define you and they say okay you know what you're good in uh, sciences you're good in literature you're good in um, i don't know arts or you're good for uh, you know just trade school <laughs> was that you, you? Know, pick something i i was good in the arts i wanted to be uh i was supposed to be going to an art school but yeah i mean thank god i didn't waste that money i mean it's like please you know so the only thing that i could have because of our economical situation which was very very skim it was minimal okay um were you poor would you say yeah very poor it was the poorest like you wouldn't ask your dad a dad i need this i need this you wouldn't ask no okay no um the poorest of the poor yeah so I needed to go to work right away because my brother was in the seminary becoming a priest. Useless thing. Um, Did he become a priest? Yeah, no, he didn't. One year before uh, graduating the priesthood, he decided that his sex was more important. He liked the woman. (laughs) He liked the woman. Good choice. Good choice. (laughs) So um, you get that attitude test and I needed to make money. So I said, you know what? I like the fact that my neighbor is a chef. He's a cook, 
and he's traveling on cruise ships and he's telling me all these stories when he comes over and uh, he's got all of this stuff in his head you know what i mean and he's making money he's obviously wealthy and on top of it we lived across the street from an old age home and an old age home in which this chef retired from the cruise ships and he went to be a chef in so i used to go across and just go in the kitchen with that and watch him cook and do all kind of stuff and i kind of like that life you know you're indoor you can eat anything you want you're always surrounded by a lot of happy ladies you know what i mean <laughs> you know I, it was good it was good so much so, of I your, picked being so a much chef. of your cooking is is basic food Oh Good yeah, food, and 100%. you know what? I'm always amazed because you go to this very snazzy restaurant, and your food is like uh, chicken, stuffed chicken, or or roast, or yeah. or potluck, uh, pot roast, and things like that. Um, how did that happen for such a highfalutin chef to be <laughs> loving the basic food taste? You know, uh, I tell you one thing. There's nothing that makes me more crazy than a Michelin star restaurant. When the food is overworked, too much effort put into making such little, uh, I don't know, not little, but you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't make my palate dance, you know what I mean? You give me a, a beautiful soup, well-made, with, with lots of passion, and you can taste it when it's done well. I mean, to me, that, that makes me crazy, you know what I mean? So you, a nice you, steak. You, you know never I mean? had a drive to go Michelin? Never? Never. Which would be the creme de la creme. Never. No, I, I like it. I like some of the techniques that Michelin star restaurant uh, invent and all that. And I've done my my portion of it here in Toronto. I mean, uh, Prego was not known for uh, basic food or neither was Mistura. But, you know, at the end of the day, my call is always that one of taking a, a, a good product and then transforming it very little, yes. maintaining all of this, the the structure of that food and just basically cook it to the right way you know what i mean to 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 a way that really makes you salivate you know nobody salivates having a foam of uh you know some kind of a you know a sprouted green uh from the forest of the philippines and whatever you know what i mean there's no salivation happening over there well but you- if you're having a nice piece of bacon you know that your palate is going like mm. we're, well, Jew- not in we're, your we're jewish we okay. don't have bacon all right please Maybe. don't mention all right. those words don't, don't talk about bacon okay let's <laughs> let's stay away from the bacon so, so what, what what really fascinated come on you got a beautiful matzo ball soup wouldn't you like that there you go now you you're know, talking I mean, come on good chunk of bacon you know, made in the soup get the fish done well give <laughs> filter isn't that good yes it is Yes, it, it is. is. Yes, it if is. If you do it well, it's good. Yeah. If you do it with your eyes closed and you just throw your garbage together because, oh, it's the holiday and it's religion and it's this and I don't care, that's a different story. Right, right, right. Okay, you pulled it around very well there, by the way. <laughs> good job. <laughs> so, so let me ask you a question. There, there's an interview that I saw with you on yeah. YouTube. Fascinating interview. It, it, was, it was about gluttony. Yes. Okay, so here's what you said about eating. <laughs> here's what you said about eating. When I'm eating pasta... And I smell tomato and the basil. Yeah. Yes. My mind gets transported. Yeah. That's a word you like, transported. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what food does to me. It, it, it's a need that I have that, that I have to taste something. You say, I have to taste something, and it has to please my palate. Then it gets transformed to my palate and makes me think of beautiful things. 
Yes. So you actually go through a huge process when you take a bite out of even a yeah. cracker you mentioned, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So explain that to us. Everything I'm... has a connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? When when I eat, I, I eat because I, I like the food that I'm eating. And every every meal to me has, has to have a meaning. Okay. I mean, uh, it's meaningful. I don't eat just for the heck of eating. Okay. I mean, just for the sake of eating or feeding myself. I mean, every time I eat, I always look for something that really interests or tweaks my appetite. And sometimes it's pasta, sometimes it's rice, sometimes it's a piece of meat, sometimes it's just a plain salad. You know sometimes what I mean? it's but nuggets it's from just, McDonald's. And sometimes it's nuggets from McDonald's, yeah. exactly, because yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've seen how they're made. I've been in a factory where they make some nuggets, and I know that there is real food in there. I mean, there is real chicken. I mean, we all have this mentality, but most of it is being actually taken down by the various, uh, you know, internet-based uh, videos. I think we need to you go know. back to McDonald's and tell them we had just had uh, Massimo Capra endorse their nuggets. What do you think? Do you think we'll make some money? I think they'll like that, yeah. I think they'll like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, everybody complains about McDonald's. I told you before, right? Everybody's like, oh, no, McDonald's, I will never eat that shit. Oh, no, me, I don't eat that garbage, blah, blah, blah. You know what? But whenever you need, you know what? You go to McDonald's, you know that you're safe. You're eating something that is, you know, forget the health, but it's going to satisfy you. You know what I mean? I, there's no issue with that. But I mean, and what, everybody does it. What, okay. What I love about your philosophy, and I told you this when we were sitting on the couch before, was that I think you let a lot of people off the hook. Why? <laughs> I think yeah. that people think that Massimo Capra goes home and eats <laughs> these gourmet meals, right, day yeah. in and day out. You know, very very special things that you have you have prepared. But that's not the case at all. You like you like the simple. <laughs> Right, you like the can, can we speak the truth over here yeah, tell about the truth. chefs? Tell the truth. Can we speak the truth about yeah, chefs? Tell the truth. Okay, um, there is a, the, the chef idea that uh, everybody has in their minds are these uh, chefs that you see them on TV over there. I mean, uh, some of them with the little snotty noses. You know what I mean? That they're complaining about fast food and uh, and uh, you know what we call junk food, uh, as known as junk food. Uh, the, the truth is that uh, Costco sells a gazillion hot dogs, okay, so somebody must be eating them. And I know for a fact that every chef in the city that I speak to, they all love to go to Costco because they stop and have the hot dog at Costco, okay? The McDonald's is the same deal. I don't think that anybody should dump on any of those places because, hey, number one, I mean, they're, they're feeding the public and, and not everybody can be eating foie gras and caviar, okay? So there's some people that need to eat certain things. And if you travel, especially in places like Canada, when you are in the city and you can be a snob about everything and say, well, I don't eat this and I don't eat that and I want to see my chef doing this and that, you know what? And then travel 100 kilometers outside of the city and see what you find. You know what I mean? And see how happy you are, especially in the winter. Never mind the summer when they have farmers markets everywhere. You know what I mean? But try and go uh, up north and see what they're eating. You know what I mean? But they got all yellow broccoli just and fresh. They're yellow broccoli because they're already expired. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's the way that it is. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the McDonald's and all of that, I mean, yeah, those are necessities. You know right. what I mean? And uh, I wouldn't dump on it too much. You know. Anyway. What but was all chefs are liars in a sense because, I mean, all, and, and to me, I worked in a kitchen 40, 47, oh, my God, 47 years. No, that's You're telling much. your age now. And I'm telling you. I'm telling you that there is very few that actually do not eat junk food, right. and that includes the 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 cheese singles. I call them shingles, you know, because <laughs> if you leave them out, they'll they'll dry up nicely. They become like uh, 
shingles from the roof yeah you know but hey i don't know my dog i i, I eat them um i put them on my burger and i want to give a little taste to my dog and my dog turns the nose away but i i take out a piece of parmigiano and my dog goes nuts so my dog knows better than, than we do but then again we have the option to say you know what screw that i'm eating it i don't care you know what was it, Massimo, that attracted uh, you to us? I mean, <laughs> uh, I close my eyes and I can think about so many times that you were there for us. And uh, from the early days when we did the uh, radio broadcast in the basement yeah. to s- numerous TV movable shows feast. with your family, Movable Feast. Yeah, what was Beer it Buddies. That- beer Buddies. That's right. We, had, we made a whole show we around you. We had it all. Where did yeah. it go? What is it about us that you saw right from the start or an early age that made you comfortable or made you feel good about what was it because i think i think that you guys are like me that's why i mean i i felt comfortable because you're not you you have no bs in your in in your attitude you know what i mean you're what you are i don't like being who i am i don't put it on for anybody you know what i mean and and as i get older i even put on less you know i mean i'm just more and more myself right i mean my wife here is shaking her head <laughs> but it's true you know what i mean i don't have time for for uh, you know being nice just because you have to or uh, because you know it's polite to do so and all that i'm i'm always nice i don't need to be nice extra you know what i mean i am what i am and you guys are the same thing so so when you're in your restaurant at night okay you you basically have four restaurants now I do. You have four restaurants now. Your big one is in Mississauga yeah. and Clarkson, right? That's the yeah. big one, right? Well, that's my baby. That's your baby. That's the one that really I own. You own that. The other ones you... The other ones are all licensing and management fees and everything else. It's kind of cool because you have one in Qatar, right? It is absolutely incredible. That's pretty cool. <coughs> yeah. But my, my, a, my question to you yeah. is, in light of what you just said, yeah. Marty's question to you was, what do you like about it? You said, we're, we're all kind of down-to-earth yeah, people. We're all down-to-earth people. Yeah. 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 I, I, don't, I don't like all of that. Oh, I don't yeah. do this and I don't do that. Oh, it's beyond me. I mean, what are you talking about? You're a person. You know what I mean? You walk the street just like I walk the street. Right, right. So my Please. question to you is, I remember yeah. when we used to come to Mistura. Remember that, Marty? Oh, yes. We treated <laughs> like kings. I mean, he, he bent over backwards to uh, take care of us and, and birthdays and things. And I got to mention one thing. Uh, it was my birthday and I called Massimo and he was just coming from the funeral, I think, of your mother. Yeah, and I said it's my birthday, and he said, uh, he said, Marty, I'm on my way to a funeral. Uh, my mom, I'm flying to Italy, and I said, well, I'm going to Niagara Falls. You know that I was treated so well at Niagara Falls. He called his Niagara Falls in his Niagara. restaurant mm-hmm. in Niagara Falls. It was unbelievable. We were blown away from the dinner to the lunch to they were saying Massimo said to take care of you, and he took such good care of us. Yet you were on your way to see your yeah. to uh, to pay respects for your mother. Yet you took time to take care of us, yeah. which was. I'll never forget that. I got one other memory I do remember. We were at a very highfalutin restaurant. It wasn't a restaurant. It was a consulate. Mm-hmm. And we, Massimo and I were in the uh, parking lot. Yeah. And uh, I remember his conversation to me. And he said, you know what? These chefs are great and highfalutin and everything. But I will never, ever. Do you remember that yeah. conversation in the parking lot? It was, yeah. We talked. Yeah. He said, I will never, ever, in, for the rest of my life, become those people. No, that's right. How, how how did you hold on to who you yeah, were? Right. You it, it, well, you know what? I have an innate ability to 
be a contrarian uh, for some reason when something becomes too popular I move away hey. you know I mean like I was wearing an earring back in the 70s and 80s and uh, you know actually she made me put one on and uh, she is in I, Rosa I had, your wife uh, uh, <laughs> yeah my wife Rosa made me put one on here and uh, and it was really it was really controversial in the early 80s. Right. I know now everybody's painting uh, the whole life story and all the likes, you know what I mean, on their body. But uh, back in those days, I mean, in this country, it was bloody awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. could get beat up. Right. because, uh, and, and that was cool because I had it and I didn't care. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the way I am. So, you know what I mean? I hate anything that becomes too popular and too much masses. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not like that. You know what I mean? So, so when you come out from the kitchen mm. and you're walking on the floor, we used to see a Mistura, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now your restaurant. No, I can spot you know, the jackasses right away. No, I know. I know I'm and sure, I stay away from them. <laughs> I'm sure you can. But, but, but my, my question really is being very down to earth as you are, yeah. and your wife is very down to earth, and she, she you, you used to work at Mistura, Rosa, right? There would be very like wealthy people there, Marty. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Marty would walk yeah, in yeah. in his track pants. Remember, remember. Yeah. Right? Was that was that intimidating oh, to boy. you? Was that? No, uh, you know, no, no, absolutely. Uh, think about it. I I started working uh, when I was well. My first job, I just turned fifteen, and I was uh, in Venice, in Mestre, actually, just outside of Venice, one of the premier restaurants of Italy in the seventies, nineteen seventy-five. That restaurant was the premier restaurant in Italy that everybody spoke about the owner okay Dino Boscarato was the uh, was uh, the president of the sommelier association of Italy they had a wine list and the restaurant had been around for a hundred years they had a wine list that was second to none he was always being interviewed and uh, by TV and uh, magazines and newspapers and that was the infancy really of all the big movement of new cuisine and uh, you know the development of all the food right I mean uh, before that it was really not not as uh, it was not as important as it became all through the next 10 you know, uh, a decade, the next three, four decades. Like the 70s, everything started in Italy. They started moving up. And then in the 80s, here in Canada, every, the big changeover, you know what I mean? From uh, spaghetti and meatballs to, uh, you know, the, the ravioli with squash, you know what I mean? Agnolotti with squash, which I brought to this town. I mean, I'm gladly saying it because nobody was making it before I gave the recipe to three or four different pasta companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then everybody discovered it. And and I can tell you that like a dish like that, nobody makes it in Italy. Okay? It was completely unknown in Italy. It's only the little piece of Cremona and Mantova, where I'm from, that makes that dish. Wow. Nobody else does. Okay, so there was no chance that somebody from Calabria that came here in the 50s knew about that dish. You know what I mean? And and I'm telling you, and I guarantee you that, you know what, I gave that recipe to so many companies because they were making it for me. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? I never had a kitchen that was big enough when I arrived that I could do it. How innovative. So anyway, I worked for this restaurant in Italy. And uh, I was going out. I was the little lucky that they would send out all the time to do all the dirty jobs that nobody wanted to do so i'd be the one pushing the cart over to the table to clean the fish you know in front of the people with a metro d 
uh, you know, looking in a mirror, you know, making sure that I wouldn't do a screw up job, right? So I know how to fill a fish in front of the people and all that. So I had to really break out of that uh, little uh, sense of nervousness or shyness, you know what I mean? So I had to really get to know how to do it. And I, I've seen, I have met people of a certain stature and all that, so they don't affect me. You know what I mean? We're all people. They're all the same as I am. They got more money. And believe me, I'd never begrudge anybody's money. Right, right. They work hard for it, especially if they are business people and they work hard and they really put their lives on the line. You know what I mean? Because when you have a business, you put your life on the line. Your workers, they come to work eight hours and then if they're tired, they want to go home. You have to let them go. But you're the owner, man. You are on the hook for everything. For everything, you know. Rosa has been such a big part of your life. Did you expect to find a partner that was so vivid and clear in your (laughs) life and so supportive? I mean, along the road, there's always been Rosa from the time I remember working her working in the restaurants to, you know, you doing trade shows. You really lucked out, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Eh? Did you? What? What happens? What happens it's between the Rosa, two of you? It's all Rosa, man. It's Is all it? Rosa. It's not me. I am a just a passenger. On Rosa's train. Is she responsible for your career? She's responsible for everything. Seriously. Honestly, she is responsible for everything. How did you, did you just have a great union between the two of you? You know what, I don't know how it happened. I mean, I can't really tell. Uh, But anyway, Rosa's always been there. Uh, Rosa saw uh, a person that she would want to spend her life with. And um, I saw the person that I was very comfortable with and I wanted to spend my life with. I had never had an issue uh, in terms of thought differently. I, uh, you know, we started going out as a joke almost. And uh, we st- honestly, we started going out as a joke almost. Just, you know, we were both on rebounds. And, uh, you well, know, what do you mean a joke? What do you mean? Well, you know, I mean, we were just having fun together, okay. you know what I mean? And okay. then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know what? We are very comfortable with each other, you know what? We all, uh, we both think the same way, you know? And uh, for the life of me, I never, never thought of getting married, having a family, children, and all that. It's always been so far away from my mind. Oh, my God. Yeah. So far away from my mind. You told him, yeah. yeah. Rosa said she told him that that he wanted to get married, and I believe that. Yeah. Uh, How how long have you been married? 30, I don't know, 33 years. Mazel tov. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you a good husband? No. Is anybody a good husband? Rosa shook her head. It's impossible. (laughs) <laughs> well, why the standard's too high the standard is too high right, man right right you know you got all the stupid tv shows and soap operas and everything you gotta keep up with i mean it's like impossible <laughs> but do you know do you know do you know how to love well i i i hope i do i think yes you do. i, I mean you i'm do. uh you know i don't know what to tell you i mean it's just that to me it's not something that that you have to work at you just do yeah you know what I mean? If you have to work at it, it becomes a job, and then it's not good. Like, if you have to work at everything you do, man, it's not good. You're not doing it. If you're going to work and you actually have to work at it, uh, it's not good. You're not doing it right, and you're not in the right job. So to me, yeah, I mean, I decided 33 years ago, I said, yes, I'm going to marry this wonderful lady. And to me, I never thought of anything else. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I everything I do, I do it for her and I do it for my kids. Right. 
But I noticed, no, I noticed no if and or but. I noticed when like you I started life, when you know. started talking about yeah. her, I could see a tear in your eye. Yeah. It does you mean it does? Does she still but make of you course. tear? Of is, course. Was that a tear yeah. I saw in your eye? Of course. Yeah. Why is that? Because you love because, her so much. Because you know, I'm, I mean, it's a it's a life union. You know what I mean? It's not a joke. It's not something you take uh, for granted. You know what I mean? So I have nothing against uh, you know separating. If something doesn't work, man, just just, just break it off. Get out. You know what I mean? It's absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, I mean, there's no sense in staying together just for the sake of staying together. Right. My parents, I mean, they were very modern. They were extremely orthodox in, in some ways, but they were very modern in many other. You know what I mean? It was, a, it, it was beautiful to see because, you know, they didn't put any limitations on me or on my thoughts. They always encouraged to be your own person. Think on your own. Don't do what we used to do because what we used to do is past do better your future look for the future but some things stay you know what i mean if you are, are with the right person you know it if you're with the wrong person you'll figure it out fast well, get out well firstly I, I i i love that you guys came here to, together today together. like i i didn't know that you were coming here rosa you know <laughs> yesterday. i'm so happy you came yeah and you look stunningly gorgeous, like always. She looks great. Doesn't she, she look beautiful? She, she didn't age. I, when I walked in, I thought, oh, my God, who's that? It's, it's Rosa with this wild hairdo. And, um, <laughs> it's just it's, it's interesting to, you know, see the progression with the two of you and, 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 and all the, the hard times and the good times and the amazing oh, yeah. times. And I think that the, the thing that brings you together also is about life. You both love life. Yeah. You, love, you have such a love for food and people. Listen, I I uh, uh, felt extremely good when I came to Canada. I mean, uh, working at Archer's clientele was ninety percent Jewish, and and you know what? Embraced, embraced. I felt embraced by the by the community, and I met so many beautiful people that really went through hell. Okay, because they I met people that yeah. that really went through hell, like survivors of the Holocaust. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yes. and they were wonderful people. They were amazing. You know what I mean? The stories that they would tell, and the jokes. I mean, it's like, yeah. oh my God, I got my wits from them. You yeah. know, yes, yeah. so yeah. fast. You know, I had some of the best time, and it's been <laughs> it's been terrible over the last uh, 10, 15 years to hear about all of the people that are gone, right? I mean, yes. and those were wonderful yeah. people. I mean, all of the, the, the clients that I had at Archers, they went on to Prego, and then, uh, you know, their kids went on to Mistura. You know what I mean? And it's funny because, you know, I mean, that's how it works, right? Right, right. So, I mean, their kids now are my age and, and beyond, actually. You know what I mean? But I still I, I still remember a lot of them. And I still, every once in a while, I see people, right? And I see them around. And they, they're, they're just like, ah, where have you been? You you're right. I mean? well, yeah. And it's such a beautiful feeling. You well, know you, I mean? you're, you know this about yourself. And I said this to you before. Yeah. You're a very warm person. You really are. Yeah. You're a very warm person. One feels safe when they're with you. If people are nice to me, I'm nice to them. And I if, have no issue whatsoever. And if they're not nice to yeah. you? <laughs> Don't ask. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I can go overboard. But you know what? Two days ago, uh, Saturday, as a matter of fact, yeah. I took my son Daniel and Rosa, and we went to Center Street Deli. Yes. And, you know, that was a place that I lived up on uh, Batterston Steels when we first married we had bought a house on Mullen Drive oh yeah I know Mullen yeah yeah, yeah, yeah sure exactly so there is Center Street Deli you know Sue and uh, oh my god I don't remember his name Sam Sam, Sam and uh, yeah. yeah anyway a beautiful place 
beautiful place because we used to take the kids there put them on a jolly jumper and then daniel came right. along that was andrew first and then daniel came along and we used to go there because you know you put him there i mean and his family yeah. there, you know what i mean uh i moved away from the neighborhood in 1990 and i've been going up to center street deli over the years you know at least two three four times a year you know, whenever I can, I go up there. Whenever I can stop, boom, I'm a Central Street Deli. What do you order there? I I, I love my corned beef, the fat, fat corned beef. Oh. The fat one. Yeah. You know, and matzo ball soup and crap luck and uh, maybe some of the other sauces. Yes. So by osmosis. Said, yeah, anyway, a couple of things. Anyway, I mean, everything is good over there. That's the problem, right? Yeah. yeah. So by osmosis, you're Jewish. Yeah. Uh, and maybe by osmosis, we're Italian. Yeah, we're ba- Italian. you know yeah, what? Blend it. Yeah, yeah. One face, one race, man. One face, one race. <laughs> so I just want to take a step back here. You had two boys. Yes. Daniel and Andrew. Yeah. And you lost Andrew. It's, I did, it's, yeah. It, it's last been year. about a year now. It's uh, one year on the 24th of this so, month. So Marty and I, we just want to tell you, yeah. we're, we're so sorry. He was a beautiful boy. We remember him well. It was an amazing individual. He really yeah. was. He was a yeah. special, special kid. He was an old soul. Uh, we always said he was an old soul and he was always a passenger. Okay. What, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, when the doctor uh, called us to tell us that Rosa was pregnant, yeah, he said to us, uh, tell your wife she's got a passenger. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that almost coined the whole life uh, of this kid. Oh, sweet. He was a complete, I don't know, it, 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 it was different than all the other kids. It was always different. You know, he never did things normally, you know, like what you would expect everybody to do. You know, he didn't crawl, he just walked. He said, no, I'm old enough, I walk. Okay, and he stood up and he, and he walked. Yeah, he walked. And he's like, what the hell? You know, I mean, what, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, uh, training wheels on the bicycles. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm turning five, I don't want training wheels anymore. Take them off for four or whatever it was anyway. And, uh, you know, uh, stupid things like that, right? But, I mean, he was a mind of his own all the time. He never did things like all the other kids. It was always different, you know. And everybody wanted to be him. I don't understand it. You know, I mean, he was just, he had such an attraction, you know. People loved him. Yeah. He had a way that he could talk to uh, uh, an old guy or a young kid or whatever, and he, everybody would fall in love with him. Yeah. You know, and we would be going crazy because, my God, you can't you act like a normal <laughs> kid sometime, yeah. you know? And uh, and everybody's like, oh, my God, that kid is so wonderful. Oh, my God, it's so nice to talk to him. Oh, he's so smart. Yeah. Oh, so, what do you mean he's so smart? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know I mean? But he read he read a book every three days. But he I was mean, very uh, very creative. Oh my god! Very, you know what I thought was very cool yeah. is when you uh, he turns to you one day with a camera. He says, "Dad, don't move." Yeah, takes a picture of you, yeah. and that became the cover of the yeah of the, oh, the cookbook. Well, yeah, yeah, remember that? that yeah, that. that was crazy. I mean, this it was uh, it was really special. We are just finding out now. I mean, he passed away a year ago, and in both sides, he passed away in Prague. Okay, we don't know the circumstances exactly yet, you know, but uh, um, he had a, a group of friends over there. He was working, uh, he, he, okay, he ended up in Prague because he went to OCAD here in Toronto. And um, he was, he had a bursary, he got a scholarship and he went to Prague at the National Film Stu- School in Prague. 
Okay, was there that year that, that they had the gas explosion and uh, we were worried like hell, <laughs> you know, but it was fine anyway. But he made so many friends over there. He made so many friends. His teachers at the university, the National Film School in uh, in Prague, were keeping in touch with him. Um, and uh, he finished, so he finished his, his university here at OCAD. Uh, and then he stayed home one year. He worked at the airport restaurant as a waiter. He worked at uh, Le Select Bistro here in Toronto. And they produced actually a beautiful little uh, film about bread. And uh, you you have to you have to feel the depth of, of this kid. You know what I mean when you when you watch that uh, little piece. Um, but uh, they they were keeping in touch with him. So he decided to move back to Prague because he really really enjoyed it over there. There was there is freedom over there. It's almost like. Uh, I don't know. It felt like it was a, it, it, yeah, it was like a time capsule, right? I mean, Prague is a fantastic town. You know, it's getting a little overrun now with tourists as well. But you know, I mean, you can stay away from the tourists if you are in the right move, moves in the right uh, neighborhoods. Uh, but it is a wonderful, wonderful town, and it's always been right. I mean, Prague has always been a center of. Uh, thought right i mean the philosophers and everybody else has always been there right i mean uh, so he happens to have rented an apartment that was with the einstein statue in front of it you know what I mean? it's like wow. okay he so he lived there einstein lived wow. in that <laughs> so, einstein lived in that apartment yeah einstein wow, lived in that apartment a, yeah a, yeah well, so amazing. it was it was pretty cool he was pumped about living in prague and uh, as work he would do uh, he would go to work and uh, he actually became a guide a tour guide a bicycle tour guide wow. in prague so that that would allow him time to do photography write stories which there is an abound I mean, there's an enormous amount on the internet about that. And uh, we allow him time to work on uh, documentary films and all that with the with the people at the school. So uh, last year, or two, well, two years ago now, he met uh, the, the, the son of uh, the, the famous uh, uh, Czech uh, director, uh, what's his name? Uh, Milos Forman. Milos Forman, and they were working on a documentary with him right he was doing some uh, uh, lighting and uh, and uh, writing and uh, doing uh, all kind of help you know what i mean so he was very very happy my, my son uh, daniel was there for for andrew's birthday last year and he left on the 20th and on the 24th uh, andrew passed away yeah how did you go on massimo how do you go on when you you know have so much grief uh, i remember when i saw you just after and you <clears> called me yeah but what do you do where, where do you look inside yourself to find that straight, I mean, it's it's different when a parent dies, but when a child. No, dies, I know, and and and, and exactly right. I mean, I only had my parents as a guide, right? Oh, actually, it's not true because you know, in March of last year, I lost my older brother, and uh, and that was a complete shock because uh, he was like me. Uh, my older brother was like me. He was completely. Uh, a fun guy, gourmand, you know what I mean? He loved food, he loved life, he loved uh, people. Um, he was a happy, happy guy. And uh, that's the the police officer, the one I told you was the anti-terrorism guy. Yes, yes, you know yes, what I yes. Mean? Uh, yeah, and uh, stubborn as a mule, but uh, anyway, he passed away, he collapsed, yeah. He's a trait in the family, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the blood, is it? The Capra blood. How old was he when he passed uh, away? He was 70. He was 70 years old? Yeah. You just a, turned. Yeah. Jeez, you, you, you had a bad time there, eh, Uh Yeah, last year was not a good year. 
last how, year was how did you hold up year. like marty asked how did you, how well, did you, hold you know up? what i mean so i mean i uh okay i left home when i was 15 years old yeah okay i went to work in venice i came back and i went to school which was a uh, uh, you know an hour train ride away so i left at six in the morning came home at night you know nobody you know i mean and in those days i mean uh, uh, we as kids we weren't molly coddled like we're coddled now right i mean you're just uh, kind of okay come on you're old enough go get out you know if you're good enough to work you're good enough to look after yourself right so uh i wanted to get out of my house right i mean my overly possessive mother and uh you know no money so i mean being at work i budgeted myself you know i made a hundred dollar a month i would keep like 30 for myself 70 put away so i spent a dollar a day yeah you know what i mean one thousand lira every day i spent for myself you know 50 cents were for cigarettes the rest was for uh having fun and in those days in the 70s i mean obviously there was no restriction in age for drinking and all that so by the time i was 18 i had a bit of a drinking issue and all that, so i had to curb it all um the point is you I took your shots my house you, you took your I mean? shots early on like yeah, you had to yeah. grow up i had to grow up yeah so but the, the the thing is that you know when my parents passed away and my mother my father all my relatives i hardly ever went to a funeral you know what i mean i was here most of the time i was here i mean i was in my 20s yeah you know so i never really participated in anybody's death personal like that right you know what i mean so when my brother passed away i was in polynesia we were on a cruise and they called me up and i'm a, you know i'm a half a world away i can't get there for the funeral that really shocked me you know so and then after in, Ju in june when my son passed away i'm not alone okay i mean i have to look after my wife yeah. i have to look after my other son my only worry was my other son which was in prague i mean he was alone with my other with andrew when he passed away so what's gonna happen i'm thinking you know what i hope the police doesn't think that there was a foul play or whatever you know which there wasn't okay and then my wife needed to get there quickly okay and uh you know it was a it was a rough time but you can't lose control i mean you no. have to keep uh you have to keep your uh your strength right i mean and uh yeah you have to keep your wits about it i mean you can't uh you can't help it i mean that's what my role is as a, as a, the, the 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 family right guy right yeah. so i can't if i lose control then everything falls apart right so. what is your greatest achievement that you've done in your life what do you think is i mean from being a top-notch chef uh celebrities uh, are always excited to see you people regular people they see you on tv and breakfast television what yeah. would you say of all the things you've done has been your greatest achievement and also oh my do God. you have any regrets well you always have regrets right i mean there are things that you could have done better you always know after it happens yeah there are many things that i could have done better you know what i mean I uh, could have been more forceful uh, in uh, in my ways in terms of uh, the work. I mean, I don't forget that uh, I'm extremely grateful that I came from a, a place where I had no money. I was really down and out. I mean, we were at the bottom of the bottom. We were scraping the bottom. That's it. Finished. There was nothing else but going up. And we started climbing a little bit and climbing a little bit and climbing a little bit. We did it all with our own sweat. And, and that's it. Nothing. We you know, we had a little bit of help here and there, but we always paid everybody back. We don't owe anything to anybody, right? We don't owe anything to anybody. I mean, from the time I was in Italy, for some reason, always, I always had the fortune of having somebody that looked after me. Like from my very first job, Mr. Dino Boscarato at Trattoria della Melia, 
after the chef abused me all summer long. I mean, are you kidding me? If it was nowadays, that guy would be in jail. Yeah. I could get millions out of him for the abuse that I took. What sort of abuse? Mental, physical, because he used to kick me just for the heck of it. He kicked you? He used to make me, uh, I, 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 you know, you cut yourself when you're in the kitchen. Yeah. He used to make me work, even though I was bleeding and uh, wrap it up with salt on it and make you in pain, you know what I mean? He would kick me just, oh, you'll do something wrong. Don't worry about it. He was an asshole. You know? Yeah. Well, no, he wasn't an asshole. He was, everybody was like that. Everybody was like that in those days. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. He would call my mother a whore or whatever, Boy, you know what I mean? You're yeah. kidding. So, yeah, but I mean, my mother's not a whore. I don't give a shit. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why word never never will bother me, you know. Words will never bother me. So 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 care. so Marty Marty's question is what what what, what was his greatest success, right? What, well, what my greatest great? success was that you know what I made it through all of that, you know what I mean, and I am where I'm at. And I really never really turned around and said, I don't know, I mean I, I just say that I'm lucky yeah. and uh, I had some good breaks, you know what I mean? Because I couldn't do anything different. When I went to work at Michael Carlovel, I mean, my cousin was great enough to bring me here, but he wasn't going anywhere. He was just uh, on, on, on the way down, actually. He was trying to retire. And so bringing me here with the antiquated ideas that he had in terms of restaurants and the way the restaurants were, it were completely different. I started doing my own things and everything happened. You know what I mean? I was in line with everybody else. So I don't know. I mean, then I went to work for Michael Carnival and uh, you know what? That guy was like, oh, well, I know I need you here from when the people are here until the people leave. Yeah, right. So right. people were in it. 12 o'clock, I was there at 12 o'clock, and then I was leaving at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. Because yeah. people were there, and then maybe they wanted a steak, or maybe they wanted a lobster, maybe they wanted a, something, right? And I got to meet everybody, from royalty to politicians to uh, anybody. Throw some names out. Nah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Give us some of the big ones. Well, you know, I mean, Mr. Maroney, Trudeau. Yeah. Right. I, I met Mr. Maroney. Pierre Trudeau, I met Jean Chrétien, he gave me the Chamini Ganan shake. Yeah. You know, I got a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> Love Jean Chrétien, I mean, he's awesome. Yeah. You know? Do they tip uh, these guys, like what Trudeau tip? Uh, I, Do I don't know. We, actually, you know what, we brought uh, for Pierre Trudeau, actually an amazing guy, actually, you know, I mean, he had a great conversation with my old boss and uh, while I was cutting a uh, um, pastrami for him because we went to Center Street and we got like four slabs of pastrami. We had right. like 500 people there that day. But, you know, I mean, we met all of the major superstars from Peter Ustinov to, uh, you know, him and his daughter. I mean, talk about, um, uh, uh, what's his name with our uh, uh, plumber? Yeah, Ro Christopher Plummer, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, all of the main, uh, all the big, big top 100 riches in Canada. I mean, they've gone to Prego, they come to Mistura, they know me. Are you starstruck you know, at all? They know me. Never. You never not with one I'm, person. I'm, you know what? I'm extremely happy for their success. Yeah. And I don't begrudge them anything that they yeah. do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially because, in spite of everything that everyone says, oh, this guy's an asshole. This guy's a right, jerk. Or whatever. Right. They've always been nice to me. I never had any issues with anybody. They've always been very happy to talk to me. They've always been very. Oh, happy to see me on the street. Hey, how are you? I'm coming over to see you. You know what I mean? That, that to me is recognition and that is beautiful. You know, I don't have an issue with anybody. You know? Yeah. They were very comfortable with me. Oh. They wouldn't even go to the Yeah. The back door. They'd go to the back entrance. Yeah, yeah. They would just come into the Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Whoopi Goldberg coming through the back. You know, Matt Dillon coming in the kitchen with me to cook. Wow. You know what I mean? Uh, Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Uh, I cooked for his uh, wife while she was filming in Toronto. I sent her food all the time. You know what I mean? It was just a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? It's not a problem. I mean, we met so many people. You know what I mean? So many, but I don't have a single picture. I do not have not a single picture. picture. I do not have anything because yeah. you know what I mean. The, Imagine this one night, I'm, I'm walking outside in the, in the Enoteca, Prego, right? I'm going to the Enoteca. And uh, somebody says, oh, you got to go talk to the guy over there. He's talking about food and he's really loving your pasta. So I go over there and uh, this gentleman, raspy voice, hat, you know. I look at him and he's like, man, that's weird. That guy looks like Brian Johnson from uh, ACDC. So I start talking to him and he's like, yeah, my mother is uh, from Frosinone, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And she makes the pasta just like this. This is amazing. Oh, it's really good. So then I look at him and he's like, you know, you really look like Brian Johnson. You know yeah. what I mean? So, oh, yeah, I am. We're in yeah. town for a concert. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that was the most beautiful thing ever, you know. Or having David Foster playing on the oh, piano at uh, Prego. Right, I mean, top. playing all of his top songs, yeah, and then having Martin Short over there and the gang from uh, SCTV over there doing skits after midnight when everybody was gone. You know what I mean? They were like oh, reminiscing and going crazy, all of that. It's like, my God, man, I've been lucky. I mean, I've seen all of that, yeah. but I have, I have no no physical records of any, right? No physical record of anything. Where do you go from here? What's What's next for you? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, you know, you've got restaurants around the world. Oh, uh, you've yeah. got cookbooks and I'm there's a future cookbook. of course you're writing another cookbook yeah i'm writing a new one yeah so it, do you want yeah. to slow down do you are you tired are you I, I i i don't know i never think of that right i mean uh yeah i mean you know some days i'm thinking oh when i opened capra's kitchen in mississauga that was a tough tough opening you know well, why way, is that? Why is that? well because i've been in mistura for 20 years and you know when you are walking on the same shoes and uh, yes. they're comfortable and you mold them to the way that you want and the staff moves around slowly one goes one come one goes one come you know what i mean it's a different it's a different job right so uh that's uh the the, the thing right but uh, when i opened uh, capra's kitchen number one in that neighborhood where I'm at, in the, on the lakeshore in Clarkson, everybody thought I was from downtown because I worked in Yorkville for 37 years. You can't help it, you know what I mean? Right, right. So nobody ever knew me in the neighborhood, you know, and uh, we'll, we've been there forever. As a matter of fact, we used to go to the bakery that occupied the space that I'm in. You know, as a matter of fact, that the owners of the bakery are also my landlord right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, so it's a closed circuit, right? I mean, you know, close it up. So, but the neighborhood didn't know me. They thought I was a downtowner coming in and teaching them how to eat. Right. right. Oh, my God. the, the, The pushback I received. My God. Like what? Uh, well, pushback, you know what I mean? Hey, what do you think you're coming here in our neighborhood and uh, you're going to tell us what to eat and uh, how much you're charging and uh, all of the BS, right? I mean, the usual uh, small town gossip. You can't help it. Yes. You know, it, it happens all the time. But to me, the most difficult thing was that one of finding staff. So you're opening a brand new restaurant in an area that is far away from where you're, you know, known or where you worked. Okay, what you're accustomed downtown to. Downtown to Toronto, it's easier to find staff than it is in Clarkson, yeah. where there is no transport or anything else. Okay, so you're opening a brand new restaurant. It's relatively big. You invested everything you have into building this restaurant. Okay, 
everything you have. Yeah, Rosa agrees. <laughs> we invested everything we had. We went from being relatively well off to being having nothing. Were you scared? Yeah, I'm yeah. still scared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but I mean, and then you have to entrust it on people that uh, you know are supposed to work for you, right? And you never worked with them before. Yes. I only had one employee that I trusted and that I needed with me, and that's it. Nobody else. Everybody else was brand new. And I had to open a restaurant, and it was bloody hell. I felt like shutting down the door and just calling my losses and getting out so many times. It took me over a year, over a year, year and a half, to get the place to where I wanted to be. And now we are on our third, well, we are coming up to our third year in business, and we are good. We are happy. The product is good. The service is good. The management is good. We have. Uh, we are super busy with, especially with the catering side. I don't do catering out. I don't want to go into somebody's house. I have to clean his house and then dirty it and then clean it again, and then take all my crap and right, bring it right. to the restaurant and clean it over there. I don't want to do that. I'm sorry. There's not enough money in that. So uh, let me ask you something. We you. I, I asked you this question years ago. Yeah. I remember we talked about it. I, I'm really fascinated <clears throat> by how people uh, come up with recipes. <laughs> like I, I've been looking at your menu. And everything well, exists. What's that? Everything exists already. Yeah, everything's there already. It, yeah. It's like a song yeah. where all the notes are there. You just yeah. have to put them together. Probably there are seven notes and look at how many songs. So, so listen, you're <laughs> you're right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You you I remember at uh, at Mistura, you had a dish which you were really well known yeah. for. It was uh, with arborio rice and the it was red beets. beef risotto. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. remember oh, the yeah, red I beef risotto? That. Remember oh that? God, it's it going so back on the menu. You got- <laughs> it's going back on the menu. It is going back. Yeah, yeah. I have it pasted on the wall right now as a mural, but uh, it's going to go back on the menu. I love the beef risotto because you never tasted anything like it. And then no. I had it at another restaurant. I went, oh, wow, beet risotto. But it was nothing like your risotto. No. It was kind of soggy and wet. And yours was always so good. You know what? I created the recipe. I claim it and I want it because I created the recipe. And I know nowadays with the, we know with the magic of the Internet, you know, they have it on computers now, right? So, I mean, uh, oh, boy, you can figure out anything. As a matter of fact, when you are unsure about something, you just put it into the Googleizer and uh, and get it out there. You know what I mean? Even if you don't think it exists, you just punch it in and figure it out. There right? It I mean, and that it is. Every recipe that you want is uh, there. But the beer risotto, I guarantee you, nobody made it. Nobody made it. I started making that back in the early 90s uh and i created that uh, as a not as a beer risotto recipe i created that as a as an interesting colored rice no wow quotes you know <laughs> okay so my my uh, boss uh, michael carlavel was in love with this uh, uh chef from italy from northern italy gualtiero marchese gualtiero marchese had a wonderful cookbook and is is uh uh, what do you call it? It's not his logo, but I mean, he had this thing of doing always five stripes of five different colors. Okay. And Michael one day was entertaining uh, some uh, chefs from Italy. And he says, I want you to do this. I have these beautiful plates. They're long. I want you to do one canal of rice for each color that is on the Gualtiero Marchese. We're going to call it the Gualtiero Marchese Risotto plate. So, okay, so I got to come up with some colors. And one of the colors was that deep burgundy red. 
you know, that only beets can give me, right? So I made a beer risotto, you know. And I made a beer risotto, but it wasn't very good. I I had to work at it. So I worked at it until uh, I moved and opened Mistura. When I opened Mistura, I had the perfect recipe. So, so just, 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 I want to just follow up. There on is it. a lot longer with that. I'm going to another two seconds and I'll finish. No, no, that please go after. ahead. Go yeah. ahead. No, no, go on. Ask I, me. I, I'm just really curious. Yeah. Do you have like dozens of recipes floating around your head as yeah. a lyricist would songs? Basically, yeah. Like, do you lie in bed at, at night and say, you know, yeah, this is going to work? Oh, Rosa ask does? Her. No, I do. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this with that and the other thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but that, that's how it is. You know what? And it's all simple. Food seems simple. But even in the simplicity, there is a certain smarts that it takes to make it taste awesome. Can you taste the ingredients in your head? Yeah, I do. Because I ate everything already, so I, mean, I know what the flavor <laughs> I want. <laughs> so if I, if I put if I put ten spices on the table, <clears throat> you can pretty much in your head. Yeah, figure out what to figure do out what yeah. figure out what to use. Yeah, so you were oh, saying yeah, about the on. risotto, by the way. Yeah. Wait, let's get back to that because no, no, the, the story risotto, goes so on. The right? story goes on very simply. I opened Mistura. I started the beer risotto. The beer risotto was extremely successful because it has greens in it. It has some crunchiness of the fried beets and then uh, the beet juice. So is clean it does not have any dirt in it or anything else um, and most people risotto they fail because they also serve risotto as a as a secondary thing you know the italian idea is you don't need risotto as an accompaniment to something you risotto by itself and when you put something in risotto if you're making sausage you're not going to put a big chunk of sausage on top it's stupid okay you got to chop it up and make it within the sauce because it's like having porridge Anyway, so risotto, beer risotto became an extreme success in Mistura. Every newspaper, every magazine, every TV station wanted to know about the beer risotto. And, and that was the truth. I mean, it's been publicized a thousand times. Now, uh, 1997 or 98, there was a, a rice growers of Italy, which rice in Canada from Italy was just appearing. Okay, and there were many, many brands of rice and different types of rice and so on. And the most popular one is Carnaroli. I mean, Carnaroli was created in the 70s by the University of Guelph and uh, the University of uh, Thing of Italy uh, in order to have a rice that would have a certain amount of, uh, well, I don't know if it's University of Guelph, but I know there was Italy involved with the University of Guelph uh, farming department, whatever, food science department, anyway. Uh, and uh, it was created to, to have a risotto that had a lower starch than the arborio. Because arborio is very starchy. So they wanted to create something a little less starchy. Italian rice comes from Japanese rice, right? Japonica strain, so very starchy, very sticky. So uh, all the rice growers, the consortium, you know, the, you know, like the Pope of rice comes over here so everybody's like oh my god oh my god oh my god so they do a competition they create this competition brunello importing creates this competition with a gold spoon you know for the winner of the rice competition and the silver for the second and uh, you know the rubber band for the third you know anyway so they tell me they said oh you want to participate come on Bring your beer risotto. I mean, it's nice, innovative, and new, and everything else, and blah, blah, blah. We don't want to see any any risotto that is the standard and the classic. Guess who won? You. Standard classic. No. Me? 
my risotto i was the first one out the judges weren't even there because traffic was uh delayed them yeah. but they made me make it so when they got there the risotto was half cold they tasted it and they and the italian chefs the italian chefs and the president of the consortium of rice growers of italy tasted the rice and they said oh this is disgusting it's sweet and it's got red beet that color is awful nobody in italy will ever eat this you know and i'm there like oh okay fine i mean they love it here you know what i mean we got all the 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 eastern european the polish people and all that that used to borscht you know i mean they love the the beet risotto fuck you i said you know what i mean (laughs) anyway so moral of the story is that that recipe because i competed went into the book that was done because it was a, a worldwide thing. The the consortium made a book of all the people that made risottos around the world. And they chose the beer risotto, they put it and inserted it in. Wow. Okay. Amazing. By chance. Okay, fast forward 20 years later when Italy opened in New York City. I go there and with Rosa, and there is a brand of rice called Airone. Okay, Irona is uh, the the bird, eh? the the little flamingo, flamingo type uh, that that populates the the rice fields in northern Italy, right? And Irona is a beautiful brand of rice, but they have these dehydrated, uh, sorry, they have these um, bags of rice that you just have to add water, boil it, and it's got all the flavors: so yeah. mushrooms, or saffron, uh, uh, tomato, and red beets. Wow. <laughs> In At Italy. Italy. You made you did it. <laughs> Go on the internet now and do a search of right. red bee risotto oh, I will. and see right. how many thousand risotto come up. If if you Massimo could talk to that thirteen year old boy now, if you could just <laughs> talk to him, what would you tell him? You mean the shy the shy guy the shy guy that yeah. came out of Italy that was afraid of speaking up because you know, my mother always uh you know, my mother believed uh, everybody that I always did something wrong, even when it wasn't true. You know, that 13-year-old boy that wanted to get out so badly, yeah, of, of the little town, because, you know, I hate all the gossip and I hate everybody knowing everything that I do all the time and all that. Can't stand that. I can't stand small talk and gossips and all of that. Sh- no, it drives me insane, you know what I mean? I uh, I would tell him, you know what, just move, get on with it, get 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 going. And don't be afraid of doing more than what you actually did. You know, take a chance. I would have, I should have taken more chances. You know, my wife Rosa made me take more chances than I would have ever have. She made me move out of uh, Archers and to Prego. Uh, And I love Prego. And I was afraid, deathly afraid of saying yes, I'm coming to work for you. Because to me, I saw something in Michael that was amazing. Okay, Michael Calavera was incredible. What was it? What'd you say? Yeah, it was a wacko because, I mean, okay, maybe, <laughs> you know, the he drugs and the alcohol. Yeah, he passed away. But, yeah. I mean, and he passed away the exact same way that he predicted he would without a penny to his name. I mean, and that was uh, that was awful because that guy was amazing. I remember when he died, yeah. you were very moved. You were very sad. In fact, yeah. the chefs all got together. I was. I think they all cooked something, yeah. and they had that party. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, yeah we did it in my restaurant. At your yeah. restaurant, I, and yeah. I remember I was there the, uh, just before because you were getting ready. <clears throat> 
how did Michael Caravelli have such a big effect on you? You were so sad. Was it? Was yeah. he the guy that gave you the break that you needed? Yeah, a hundred percent. And not only gave me the break that I needed, but he actually showed me that you know being unconventional sometimes works better than than actually being like a sheep like everybody else. Because you know what, Michael Caravelli showed this city what to do in a real restaurant and how to make a restaurant happen. Give us an example. Well, you know what, music, piano. Live piano, the creating the theater in the in the restaurant. When I went to when I went for my interview, okay, he had a group of twenty people, and I'm not gonna say women because you know what, I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit over here between men and women. You know, but North America is such a bullshit place that everything is divided between men and women. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I never experienced anything like it, and it drives me insane where women have to eat salad and men have to eat steaks. You know, it's, it's fucked right. up in the head. Right. You know, if you eat a soul, oh, you're, 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 what are you, a lady? You know, I mean, what the fuck? I love soul. Right, right. You know, I, I don't get it. I love I when, mean, you, I love when you start swearing, is, by the way. I love well, that. Well, sorry, I mean, <laughs> no, it's a podcast. Can you take you it off? No, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> no, but I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It's like that fucking division it drives me insane so what did he show you so what did Michael so he showed me right i mean he says to me he's got this table of 20 and i'm sitting there at the table okay and rose is there with my son andrew okay and uh yeah and he gets up and he says sorry i gotta go and take the order for these people over here and then i'm gonna put it in the kitchen and then i'll come back and i'm watching him and I'm watching him, and he goes around the table, and then, you know, the typical, typical, pro, or classic, you know what I mean? I want my salad, but I want less dressing. I want my salad, I want more lemon. I want my salad, I don't want cheese. I want my salad, I want eggs. I don't want, I don't want anchovies in my Caesar. And so he goes around the whole table, and they all had cocktails and all that, because this is the, the 80s, right? Right, right? So everybody had cocktails in those days, and it was amazing, right? He goes around the table and he's asking, uh, okay, uh, man, can you make it with grilled chicken? Can you make it with grilled shrimp? Can you make it with the... Okay, so he picks out the menus. Thank you, ladies. I'll take the menus. Now, do me a favor. Go and find lunch somewhere else. I don't have time to cook for you. Is that right? 100%. Really? 100%. Did he? He kicked out the only 20 people he would have done oh that day. God. Can you imagine that? <laughs> imagine it's so, it's, life is so crazy, Massimo. In the early days... Uh, yeah. Uh, Avram, <laughs> Avram and I went to a restaurant, uh, a Centro. Yeah. He invited us, and of course, he was going to be on our show the next day. And so we we brought seven people. I always brought big crowds. And he said, I'll take care of the dinner, and I'll be on your show the next day. And we were there, and he, uh, the guy, the maitre d' comes up to us, and he says, uh, would you like some, I think, is it Louis the Thirteenth or Louis the Fourteenth? Louis the Thirteenth. Yeah. Louis the Thirteenth. Would you like cognac? Louis, yeah, cognac. Yeah. Would really? you like Louis the Thirteenth cognac? I thought he was offering it, you know, part of the deal, free mm -hmm. dinner. So we both have a little shot. I don't drink. It's a little, <laughs> little shot. And then he comes to the table and says, bucks? that'll be $1,250. Yeah. I said, what? $1,250. And then Gloria's mother, who was Italian, she went, oh, my God, he's going to have to pay for that. And I was so overwhelmed with Avram. We were there, and we, we didn't know what to say. I said to the maitre d'. Why would they offer you a Why did you offer thing? me something that we don't even drink? I, I mean, I, mm. I never heard of I mean, what do you think about things like that where people that, pay right, that kind nuts, of money? Yeah. No, no, I don't mind. People you don't mind that. that kind of money. I mean, of course. I mean, I have the product. I spend money to bring it in and store it and, uh, and, and guard it. I mean, of course, I want it sold. You know what I mean? And there is a lot of people out there that only drink in that level. 
There is no issue. But uh, let me tell you another story about Michael Carlavel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we opened Enoteca. That was a wine bar, the first wine bar in, in Toronto. The Enoteca at Prego de la Piazza. That right. was uh, an amazing place. We stored all beautiful wines. He had a wine cellar that was immense, you know what I mean? And all these brokers from uh, Bay Street coming in all the time. And it was beautiful. Okay, because they spent a lot of money. These they guys, like the drink. brokers, they had a lot of money. Yeah. In those days, yeah. they spent a lot of money. And Michael was always on the floor, always selling, promoting the wines that he liked and all that. And he was amazing with that because he really had a true palate. This gentleman comes in, Bay Street, young kid, yeah, in his early 30s, like my age anyway, when I was working there. And uh, he just uh, he takes the menu, reads, boom, he goes for the most expensive. He doesn't even look at the names. He goes at the price only. Okay. And then he tells Michael. And Michael was uh, amazing for that because, you know, he squared them out immediately. Looked at them. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not selling you that wine. So what do you mean you're not selling me the wine? I want that wine. Nah, you're not. You're not good enough for the wine. First, you start drinking this wine, and then when you understand that wine, then I'm gonna give you the better really? wine. Really? Yeah. So I didn't sell him a bottle of wine that was like in the twenty-five hundred dollar range, you know, and he gave him one that was two hundred dollar. So start drinking that and learn uh, and learn to have a palate first, and then you can graduate to the good stuff. No kidding. Yeah. Brazen, very so, brazen. Brazen, and I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, were you were you like that? Are you like that? Oh, I love to be like that. Yeah. Are you though? I love to be like that. Yeah. But I can't do it like Michael was doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me is uh, at the end of the day now, thirty years later. I mean, business is business. You gotta try to stay alive, right? Michael, at that time, we were unique. The newspaper used to write about our restaurants and about how people from Toronto were being mistreated. They were sat in Siberia, you know, in the back room where all the superstars were sat in the front. People would come over and open restaurants like, you know, Menteroni and all yeah. these other restaurants yeah. that came after us. And and the newspaper would write up. In the write-up, they would say, well, you know, it's a copy of uh, Prego de la Piazza, but, you know, if you want the real thing, go to Prego and, and they will make you the proper antipasto. Things like that, right? Well, why I mean, did he die broke? Uh, several reasons. I mean, he had a, a, a bad breakup with his lover, and yeah. uh, it was just not a good thing, you know. And uh, also a little bit of, uh, I guess, alcohol, drugs, whatever, you know what I mean? And his mind, uh, you know what I mean? This guy was super creative. He was a beautiful human being. Yeah, he was. And he was uh, completely, uh, I don't know raw you know i mean what you saw you saw what you got is what you saw are you in competition you know? with the Susser lees no no absolutely the mark to no no not not at all because i removed myself from all of that actually you know i mean i'm in mississauga i'm in clarkson you know, I mean, I'm in Clarkson. I try to fit in the neighborhood. I mean, uh, I don't charge uh, big prices for anything. My food is what it is because I eat there. So, I mean, the food is the way that I would eat it, uh, or at least I try to make it like that. My cooks are learning slowly. I had a back crew in the beginning. Now everything has changed, and I have amazing people. And everybody's working really, really hard uh, to make the restaurant successful. They all take a, they all mm. take, yeah, we are all a family. I mean, people love working there, you know what I mean? So I don't mean like that. Yeah. I don't mean that competition. At your stage of life, when you think. I ah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to be the best? You want people to say, Massimo, <laughs> he's the number one chef in the country. I never wanted to be the best. 
I, uh, I never wanted to be the best. I never cared about being the best. It's appreciated when somebody says, wow, you're very good. You know, I mean, uh, my, my biggest compliment that I received, it was uh, many, many years ago when I was doing catering still. And uh, this gentleman takes me aside and he slapped a whole lot of cash in my hand. And he said, you know what? You under over promised. No, sorry. You under promised and over delivered. You under promised and over delivered. And we'll never forget that because this is the best that we've ever had. And we became friends and we're still in business together now. So, I mean, we're still talking to each other and all that. So, I mean, that was the best thing that ever, you know, but the big, biggest compliment to me. Because, you know what, I mean, at the end of the day, I am a, a servant of the people, right? I mean, you have to like what I do in order for you to enjoy. But there is a price to pay. I mean, obviously, Michael Carlaville, when he threw out those those 20 people, he was 100% right. You can't go to a restaurant and then uh, change everything, and then you're probably not going to like it anyway. You know what I mean? And and it's disruptive. You know what I mean? It's disruptive to the rest of the clientele that is there. Mm. You know I mean? You can't do that. You, we have recipes. We have reasons to do things. You went through a medical crisis in your oh life. Oh, boy. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I went through this past year yes. with dialysis and... Uh, you know, uh, well, I had a couple of attacks. Don't forget he had me. a couple. Yeah, that's right. Attacks. We're on the there. How are you scared about it happening again? Are you, um, how did you, did you get through it with uh, faith, with God, with religion, with no. anything? Because, um, I, I didn't know how to get through it. And yeah. I, my doctor said to me, um, I said, I don't want dialysis. And she said, well, then you're going to be dead in six months. Yeah. And I think about it. And I still get tears because I, I came so close to giving up, and I don't know, you know, when you have a medical crisis, it's like how do you get through it? My friends luckily had an intervention and said we love you, and I learned how to, or I, I don't know if I learned, but I fought it about, you know, I guess when I heard the words from the doctor, you're going to be dead in six months. <laughs> she looked me straight in the eye. <laughs> You yeah. that you've gone through, like I know you told me what you went through. Yeah, does is that it was a, a nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was fun. Yeah, was it? it was a lot of fun. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So says not. Yeah. <laughs> I wake up one morning. I'm having my cappuccino. I'm picking up a toy on the floor uh, to throw it and play with my dog. And all of a sudden, I get this severe pain in my back. And I said, "Oh crap! I pulled a muscle or something." You know what I mean? And so I lay down and I uh, try to stay still and uh, move a little bit and scratch and whatever, you know, to make it go away, right? I mean, if it's a muscle pulled, and it was pretty hard, right? She's going out and, uh, oh, I'll be back. Don't worry. I mean, you'll be okay. All right, fine. We're building the restaurant. Uh, We're building the restaurant, yeah. There's enough stuff. Says, There's yeah. a lot going on in your lives. I'm not coming in uh, right now. I've got, I've got this pain in my back, you know what I mean? Okay, no problem. Call me if you if it doesn't go away, you know, and I'll be right home. You know what I mean? So a uh, few hours go by, and still the pain is exactly the same. Shit, the pain is exactly the same. It's not going away. So I try everything, lying down on the floor, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like unbeknownst to me. Um, you know, I ended up going to the hospital, waited several hours until Rosa got pissed off with the staff and said, look, this guy is in real pain. I had people in this in the emergency room saying to them, you guys got to look at that guy. That guy is in pain. I mean, he's really in pain. 
and I'm trying to walk out, smoke a cigarette, and relax, you know what I mean, and all that. Because, I mean, I'm from the 70s. I do all the bad things, you know what I mean? Smoking, yeah, when you're drinking, not feeling good. I mean, right, I, have a yeah. smoke. Yeah. yeah, have a smoke, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> not a complainer. Yeah. No. So <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. when uh, and they kept measuring my blood pressure and uh, everything, it's like, no, it's fine. You're fine. It's just a little high pressure, but you know what? It might be that you're feeling uncomfortable, and that's why. Okay. So then she finally gets me. She goes, storms into the emergency room, grabs a nurse, come out here and take a look at this guy. And so I said. Hmm, okay, no, this doesn't look right, you know what I mean? So let me take you in. So they take me in right away. Another guy comes around. There is a CT scan available, uh, machine available. Why don't we just put him through and see what's going on with his back? So they put me through, and then as soon as they <laughs> say, uh, yeah, stay there one second, please, and they take a picture. And then, uh, stay there one second, please, and then the machine goes down. And then, uh, one more, and then it goes down. And I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on? Uh, one second, we had to put an injection. Uh, we had to put some fluid in your veins. And I get this cold sensation of the fluid going through your veins, right? And then all of a sudden, they pull me out of the machine. And then I have like, I hear, I hear something, right? I hear uh, code, uh, whatever, you know what I mean? Every, all available staff, please, to the emergency, uh, you, know, um, you know, MRI, whatever the hell it is. And all of a sudden, the door opens, and eight people descend on me. They oh spring God. me down, intubate me, and all that. Oy. And I turn around, and I look at Rosa. I like, what the fuck is going on? And I, the doctor's saying to her, well, we hope he's going to make it overnight. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh, and my went, God. Are you talking about they me? Actually, they <laughs> oh my god and i'm like are they talking about me what the fuck is going on over yeah, here yeah, you know yeah, all yeah. of a sudden i got a tube in my penis and <laughs> hey, oh, like oh. i'm all tied up everywhere I'm like oh well what's going on <laughs> you know right. I mean? so yeah you know what you had a, an aortic dissection so what the hell is that <laughs> okay so thank god it was a descending one and it was a b type and blah 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 so i'm still here to laugh about it you're okay but i was six weeks in intensive care with all kind of machines and they drove me nuts but i had the most beautiful oh they call them nightmare but i call them real good dreams you know what i mean uh you know, the medications were fantastic <laughs> yeah morphine will do that Ooh, baby. yeah yeah i remember <laughs> yeah. that i remember so that too i was getting annoyed with everybody coming over wanting to know how I was because I wanted to keep my eyes closed and dream, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was having I so that. much, such a good time, you know what I mean? So anyway, I made it, but I made it not because of God or any other things. I'm not really a deep, deeply religious guy. Um, you know, I don't want to get in, involved in talking about religion. I think it's just fucking crazy that we still think about stuff like that. But... Um, because it's a circular argument, right? I mean, it's like when I was talking to my mother. Why does, you know, if God exists, why does he want us to be so poor and decrepit? Oh, because he's mm-hmm. showing us his love and he's got other plans for us. Yeah, okay, I want the plan now. Never mind later. You know what I mean? Uh, or why Why is it this happening? Oh, because God wants. It's always, you know, it, 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 it's God's fault or it's God. So how many people does God love? Everybody? No, he doesn't because he's making people suffer over there and he's making us uh, live well here. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's just such a bullshit. I you know see I mean? that it's you're like in- it makes you feel comfortable. Use it. You know what I mean? But me, I didn't need God. I needed good medication and I needed to be relaxed. And uh, you know what? The relaxing was that my son came back from Prague and he sat 
beside me for the whole six weeks that I was away. Yeah, instead of two and a half months. And that was the most beautiful time. We got to talk, we got to do everything that we needed to do. And I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean, you know what, everybody has their own belief, yeah, and that's thorough, perfectly fine, thorough. you know what I mean? Yes, I, don't, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, there is some issues when somebody else's belief comes into my life, but that's okay, you know what I mean? We can deal with that at a different time, you know. Massimo, <laughs> we, we're, we're gonna wrap up the interview. Yeah. Oh, I, hey. I see you could keep going on forever. I know that. He's, he's yeah, quite, you said an hour and a half. We can go for three hours. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll have what do you a, mean an hour and a half? We'll have a part two. How do you think the world is doing in general? How are we doing? Uh, you know what? Uh, my father passed away in, 19, in, 2000, in 1925. Uh, 2005. Um, and he was very upset. And then yesterday, uh, I had started reading an article uh, I, it was very upset about the way that the world was going. Okay. Okay. With everything that is happening, especially to all of us, because something is happening to all of us. Something is changing. There is an anger that is growing mm -hmm. in the young people. Uh, I think that I don't know that there is a bad feeling happening. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not. It's not. It's not a happy place that uh, it used to be. You know, but I was almost reading an article yesterday. I was trying to get through to it, and then everybody kept bothering me. And it was a, it happened to be a, a, a Jewish American soldier that was sent to Europe and um, in the war. And they said, Look, I mean, change your name because if the German capture you, you're gone. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, I, I think that's, that's what I read. The gist of it is that basically this gentleman said, What have you guys done? with the future that we gave you, okay? And the future that they gave us, you know, 60 million people died, you know what I mean? And there was some really bad things happening, you know what I mean, that, that shouldn't have. 60 million people died in total, you know, but something is going on right now. There, there is anger everywhere. There is, a, there is something that I don't feel it right. You know what I mean? So mm. I'm not happy about the world the way it is, and uh, everybody's forced to say and think whatever the, the whatever is good. But you know what? There is something brewing in the bottom of it, and you can feel it. I can feel it when I go to Europe. I can feel it when I travel the world. Mm. I can feel it everywhere, even here. I mean, there's some stupidity that is re-emerging right now that shouldn't be there. Sad, sad. I, Man, it's sad. Yeah. I want to thank you, Massimo. Yeah for um, all the memories and moments as we sit here talking about it. Hmm. Um, it just, it's almost like watching a movie with someone that you you admire and shared times with and loved. And also, you know, the food part. Uh, it, it's been so many uh, moments that, um, you know, didn't really think about, but I knew they were there in the storage <laughs> bin. And about, you know, seeing your smile and your energy and uh, the, the devotion to the the industry um and you know what i guess the most important thing was is your kindness um you've always been from the moment i met you like i it's weird i can remember at that restaurant meeting you and the feeling yeah. that i felt and i i kind of had a feeling that i i'd love to know this guy because he was just so fresh and so new and and so clean about his emotions and even though there was a language barrier yeah. oh, so yeah. <laughs> you know um and believing in me you know um making a tv two tv shows together and and the radio shows and constantly being being on uh you know us doing live shows and yeah. i'll never forget we were at a 
uh, an appliance store, and we were there with your kids. Oh yeah, you remember? <laughs> and the kids were there, and they actually got into the show. Remember yeah, yeah, Rosa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Avram and I were there. Um, from the moment we uh, started with television and radio, and we've had amazing success as far as now, when people talk about it, you were part of that. You know, building yeah, structure. Yeah. You, you know, the the the, the fact that we all started together. And, and from a little radio show in a basement. And here we are 25 years later, <laughs> no on, not in a all basement. Broken, all broken, old men. We're old men. We're old, we barely can walk. But the <laughs> fact that we've gone through this amazing road together yeah. 25 years later and we're, we're doing a podcast, it brings it all back yeah, to that does, little yeah. room in the basement where we didn't know if anybody was listening or not. Oh, God, and, yeah. uh, I and, and I remember when I asked you, would you do it? And you said, sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, and you came. Oh, what's to lose? You know, you came on. You came on our radio show. One of the first people to come on our radio show, and people were excited to have you. Remember, Avram? You were one of the first people when we we said we got a radio show, and you were there within the first two weeks on our radio show talking about food and people. Yeah, and I mean, uh, what's bad about it? You know, I mean, you're talking about food. You're talking about uh, a few stories about your your life. I mean, and uh, you know, there's so much. I mean, come on. I I spent uh, seven years in in Italy when I was uh, between 14 and 22. I mean, it was amazing. You know what I mean? That, That time was fantastic. You know what I mean? Completely different than what, is happening nowadays i mean kids are you know i mean we're talking about our son he's 30 years old and we're still thinking like he's a kid yeah. i was 30 i had two kids yeah and i had a house and i was working like you know 18 hours a day mm-hmm. i don't understand it you know what i mean is uh, okay maybe i you know i mean i, I don't want to go back to that level but you know i mean uh, there has to be a little give and take i think that everybody's pushed life away now you know i mean it's like different you know but me i never had an issue because and the two of you inspire sympathy and uh, and uh, you know you're, you're wonderful you know what i mean we've been thank friends you. forever thank you know you. what i mean but uh you know to do an interview a radio interview to talk about food i mean what was what's detrimental about that well you were you you're, you're, you took it seriously that was nice yeah but yeah. is the world gonna collapse because i like chicken nuggets <laughs> no 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 some of it will but most of it not i tell i tell you more i go to the supermarket and i buy jane's uh haddock uh battered and i and i deep fry that at the work at work and you like chipotle chips excuse me yeah absolutely <laughs> hey do you do you think we made any difference in the food and restaurant industry marty and i <laughs> well i hope so do you think we did i mean come on we brought some really interesting thing you know there's still like people asking me about the beer buddies yeah did they they did were they? wondering why they stopped doing it it was a good show so i mean it was a it was a good show yeah, it you was. guys it did was. you guys helped as much as possible into providing what the food industry has become. Yeah, yeah. I you know, you opened so. up, you opened up uh, everybody's mind. You People know, thought we were a joke, actually. Um, they thought. But that's uh, what did we, what did we know about fine wines, which we didn't know about? We did, but you know what we did know about was people. We knew so, about people. We knew about, you know, uh, food we liked and people yeah. that we liked. And, and they became our friends. And, and I know yeah. a lot of people said, these guys are a joke. They won't even last. I heard someone say, you're not going to last six months because you, yeah. you're not a, you know, a gourmet. Yeah. You're but not- you had how many shows? We had uh, 10 years of radio and TV. Okay. So there you go. Right? And, four, and, radio, four TV exactly. shows. So now, Times have changed, okay? I mean, I have a TV show that is not shown in Canada, but is on several other stations uh, around the world. It's on airlines and so on. It's called Gourmet Escapes. And when we had two beautiful shows done in Israel, 
okay that that were amazing okay we've done italy twice we've done uh four shows in the united states two in canada we've done uh ireland england um switzerland twice so i mean we have beautiful 26 episodes a beautiful show iceland that's cool you know what i mean and we were there before everybody that's cool. the problem is that you know what uh you know there are certain rules and regulations and the food network and this and that and you know we didn't make it on those uh nobody is interested in canada for, right. that, for some reason right. but the show is liked by everybody else that we know of so anyway it doesn't matter what people say it does not matter what people say can I say that I think that what you guys started was what we all were looking for is getting to know food and the appreciation. And that's why we have so many food TV shows now because of your start. Yeah, look how many TV shows that are the similar format of what you guys did. Yeah, yeah. You know, and why is it not uh, your show did not become the, the super? Because, you know, somebody else is going to do it and they have better friends or they know more people in the right places. And they got that. cash. I mean, that's how it goes. Yeah, right, they exactly. got cash, right? I mean, right. my show predates one other very famous uh, show in a very similar vein, okay? But unfortunately, they didn't want an older Italian male doing it they wanted a female so i mean therefore i got passed on yeah, for that yeah so i mean things like that happen right i mean i can't help it i'm not i don't have a grudge on it i mean just saying that that that's what happens you know would i have been good at it yeah maybe i don't know maybe it's better this way so massimo and rosa care. marty and i want to thank you very much for being with us you're welcome five years of being with us <laughs> yeah yeah and, yesterday and just to reiterate what marty said before you, you, you always took us seriously, and I think you always deeply cared about us, and we cared about you, and we wish you well in every step of the way as you go forward. You should only, you. only have celebrations. You should only have I happiness. And I, and I probably will because, you know what, I'm a happy person inside. I'm always happy. You are. You are. That's and it true. takes a very special individual to bring out the ugly in me. <laughs> I tried, man. It didn't work. We gave it. We gave it a shot. We got that real. We no. meet Mr. Ugly. One you day. two can't. You two can't. You two cannot do that. But uh, I also want to thank our our listeners uh, mm -hmm. for listening to this episode and others. And what I would remind people is the essence of this show really is to tell people about positivity yes. in, in life, because all the people whom uh, I have interviewed and Marty has been a big help. Um, talk about the beauty of life. Yeah. And talk about their successes, right? Absolutely. And I think that's so important because there's so much crap out there, isn't there, Massimo? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. There's way, way too much negativity. Way too much, right? There's way too much negativity. I don't know what happened. Right, but, right. But, uh, you know, we've been working at it for the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. And now we have the culmination of it. We have things that are bad happening everywhere. I'm not talking about wars and things like that, but even just in the way that people talk, the way that you know the way that people watch tv i mean they're oh they're so ugly these shows they drive me nuts yeah they're bringing down the level of uh you know uh, i don't know that what, what do you call it rosa yeah it, it's really yeah well the dummy down society has become a reality i mean all those dumb reality shows where we are only happy when we see somebody no, else right. in misery you're right you know and that's horrible you're right i go that on netflix is absolutely horrible i go on netflix and every movie is about the destruction of the world <laughs> yeah, yeah every single movie i've seen the world destroyed so many times it's unbelievable but that's my point is the reason why hat radio exists i know is so that we should have the opportunity to speak positively right yeah. marty sure 
and that people should think to themselves, yeah. hey, Massimo did it. Guy comes all the way from Italy, can't speak English, and look at the career that you developed. Yeah. And you developed it with, I think, elegance. I really do. I hope so. You, yeah. you did. You did. And you yeah. cared about people. And you always did. I do. I can't. You developed it with yeah. elegance and humanity. Absolutely. I think humanity has been your key point because you've always yeah. stayed true to yourself and to other people, to your listeners, your viewers. You, you were true to them. And they, they reached out and they saw that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we say, breakfast television brought yeah. you in front of people's eyes. Yeah. City Line. City Line. City yeah. Line, yes. Yeah. City Line brought you to a, a level, yeah. a, a height that people went, he's right there. I woke up in the morning and I'm having my breakfast <laughs> yeah. and there's Massimo Cap. I know. And it's good. And you know what? You were asking me about my most proud moments. I mean, uh, I had a great moment uh, in the uh, Yukons. Uh, I was in Whitehorse and I spoke in front of a, a graduating class of, um, you know, um, high school oh. graduating class. And they have a beautiful cooking course yeah, over yeah. there. And uh, mainly native, uh, native Canadians uh, in that school. And uh, we were talking about food and how to have respect for food. And, uh, you know, I, I can't stand it when I see people brutalizing food on the, on the net. Or even, uh, you know, like shows like uh, Iron Chef and all that where they grab a big chunk of meat and they destroy it, basically, right? Yeah. A, an animal died for that, you know. We put an animal to death to feed us, okay? And then we're brutalizing meat like that. You know what I mean? It just totally drives me insane. And I had a beautiful little speech that came out so natural in front of this class of students. And believe it or not, it, it was beautiful when after they came over and they wanted a picture and they wanted to take my autograph. And some of those native students, they said, you know, this is a deep, a deep belief that we have that we have to respect the animals. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Because we harvest them for our own sustenance. That's right. You know. And, uh, and to me, that, that stayed in my head. And it's still in my head right now, actually. You know what I mean? Because there is a deep respect that you have to have for the food that you eat. And that is uh, something that everyone should put in the bank. Massimo, thank you yeah. so much. You're Rosa, welcome. it was lovely yeah. to have you with us. Yes. Marty, you did a terrific job as always. <laughs> Where's my salary? Where do I get paid? It's in the mail. Yeah, sure. It's, <laughs> it's in, in the, the mail for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't gotten there yet. I think you lost my address. And I want to thank all of our listeners as well. Please stay tuned. And if you'd like to hear more of, uh, of Hat Radio, go to hatradio.ca. Hat Radio, it is the show that schmoozes. God bless. <laughs> You've been listening to Hat Radio with Avram Rosenzweig. Sponsored by Goodness and Positivity. Hat Radio, the show that schmoozes. Step inside my living room, share a little talk. By roads walked and lessons learned, keeping the flame of faith burning. I wanna know where you've been, what you found out. Spread some light in the darkness, spread it all about in the heights. 